0: Home of Patriots Monday and Friday, 93.7 WEEI fm and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Football Sunday is brought to you by New England Recovery Center in Westboro and by Kubota Tractor and the New England Kubota Tractor Dealers. Time now for WEEI Football Sunday with Andy Gresh, Christian Arcane, and Mike Cadlick. Now, WEEI Football Sunday.
4: It is a battle in Miami for the Patriots at 1 o'clock. I will take a 1 o'clock kick for crying out loud. It's Gresh Arcane and Cadlick with you for uh, most of today leading into 1 o'clock. And WEEI Football Sunday, as we look up at the screen on ESPN, we see uh, Mike McDaniel rolling up in, I don't know, is that a Tesla or something? something. Just looks like a normal dude rolling in with a Duncan. Like, like his like
5: and joggers <laughs> and yeah.
4: Yeah, right? I would expect that guy to, uh, you know, I figured he would like be on a moped or a kick and go or something like that that would uh, be uh, very unique to... Mike McDaniel. Or he Ubers
5: to the stadium or oh, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. You figure that some coaches would have had, like, the, uh, the ride sort of built into their deals. You know, oh, oh, yeah. I don't have to ride anywhere. But, hell, with the way these uh, stadium complexes are going, people can live at the stadium now, for God's sakes. You play with the Rams, you can live there. Uh, now you got to pay for it, but uh, and then therein <laughs> lies the rub, and yeah, then you're right. taking public transit or whatnot, especially if you're, you know, the the starting quarterback of the 49ers or something like that. So the uh, Patriots got it done last week. We will walk backwards, but today it is about the Miami Dolphins, and uh, it looked like Tyreek Hill uh, might be out earlier this week. He's got a uh, cranky hip. So we've got to kind of balance that into the Tyreek Hill discussion. Jalen Waddell is dinged up. Jalen Ramsey does come back. So, Arkan, where do we kind of begin today?
3: I think we begin with what this game represents in terms of the Patriots season and sort of the crossroads that we're at right now. I think a lot of fans were uh, surprised by what happened with the the Bills last weekend. And now you sort of look at this game. And this game, to me, represents, okay, if you can beat Buffalo – and you can beat Miami in consecutive weeks. And Gresh, you know me; I've been down on this team this year. If you can do that, you can beat anybody else on the schedule. Maybe except the Chiefs. The rest of the schedule, there's not teams on it that are better than Buffalo, better than Miami. I just, I mean, you look up and down, and maybe the Chargers have that kind of talent. They're not good this year. There's uh, Washington and the Colts and the J- all these teams. You play <laughs> Buffalo again. You got the Jets again. The Chiefs, I think, are a different category because sure. of, you know what they are, but. If you can win these two games, this season suddenly looks incredibly different. It looks very different to me. It's going to look different to the fans. It's going to look different to the Crafts. I think that this is a very important game. There is a path here. You looked at this team at
5: one and five, and it was all right, let's start watching college football Saturdays and figure out who our next quarterback is and down in the dumps and let's tank and whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you win this one, you're right back on track. You play the Commanders, you play the Giants, you play the Colts in the next coming weeks. You can get back to 500 and, you know, right this ship. The way they played at Buffalo or against Buffalo last week is the team that I thought that was going to, you know, run. or The way they played at Buffalo was the way that I thought this team could play every single Sunday. And that's why I thought that this team had a chance to compete for the playoffs this season. Mm -hmm. They tanked those three games and what have you, and it was really bad. But if they continue to play that way, They can get right back into this. Yeah,
4: it's the context of trying to wedge in there. How did it get so bad in Dallas? How did it look so bad against New Orleans? And then, you know, that sort of swayed us to the other end of it wasn't that bad against Philly. They were in the game. It wasn't bad against Miami. They were in the game. Then, you, you know, you win kind of a weak one against the Jets. And then it's, oh, my God, you have just the roof caves in. Then you have the Raider game, which didn't end great. And then you see it against the Bills. And it feels like last week was when they're right, this is what they can look like. And yet it reminds us how they haven't looked right. Cole Strange gets in there. Mike on one to a right tackle. My God. What a difference. Like, seriously, what What a a difference. (laughs) And it's amazing when you think about the, you know, the, the Patriots are trying to be willing to coach around whatever issues there were at right tackle. Fine, just put the big boy out there now. And I know that Van Ginkle made a name for himself the last time the Patriots played the Dolphins. Now you hope it's a little different. It was amazing that Unwenu was a part of that, but also the fact that they still tried to blow it. They still had the fumble late in the game. They still gave up the lead Mm -hmm. late in the game. The difference was... They found a way to overcome it, and it feels like this was the first time where this Patriots team really took a step forward because it felt like scoring off a turnover. They slayed some dragons that maybe they created themselves for this season. (laughs) Absolutely, and to see that,
3: to see them win a game, to see the offense function, to see a game-winning drive for God's unbelievable. sake,
4: unbelievable!
3: I mean, you know, I was in tears of joy watching that. It was unbelievable. It was, it was really one of
4: those things you just didn't think you were ever going to see. Were the tears of joy as bad as the uh, tears of sorrow yesterday, once uh, Dion got <laughs> out coached once again?
3: Well, I mean, uh, that offensive line was getting absolutely crushed by those twins over there at UCLA. But that's another story. We'll talk about that. With Corey is those twins?
4: That. I didn't know they went to North Texas at first. those yeah. twins from UCLA, and they
3: both look like. Johnny Mathis, too. They're you very they yeah.
4: do. They very much do. It could have been like a late seed Johnny Mathis. <laughs> yeah, he went to, what was it? He went to Denton, Texas, and next thing you know, twenty years later, there's a pair of twins that yep, look like that. There him. they are.
3: Uh but yeah, I think um in terms of in terms of the Dolphins, you know, this is a team that they did play close. And I think a win today also, you're right. It makes you look at those other games differently because when you come up short in the first couple of weeks, that looks a lot worse when you get blown out in weeks four and five and then all Very of a sudden so. it's like oh okay so you kind of got close but you're really not a competitive team now all of a sudden you show you can beat those teams you can beat teams in your division which is all they're beating right now but still I mean that's uh, that's important and for Mac Jones to be able to as you said Gresh slay that dragon yeah. and, and and get the ball in his hands and lead a game winning drive and be able to you know, gritty off onto the sideline mm-hmm. with uh, his teammates there I think was tremendous I mean that was tremendous for him uh, for the season for the direction of all of this it's exactly what they needed but they have to win today now, now because otherwise follow-up. it's just an, a random upset and those happen every week yeah we, last
4: and, week was kind of a foundation for okay if we're right this is what we can be yeah now you got to start to build the house and you talk about those tears of joy you had arcan right
5: <laughs> you sort of saw the patriots have that in that uh the post game video that, that the team posted on the field everyone's going up to mac yeah happy for him you know hugs and whatever like okay we can do this they we needed s- it so we bad. saw one go through the hoop now you're right. Okay, great, all well and good. You did it. Now let's do it again. We know we can do it. We know we're capable of it. I feel like there was probably some uh, doubt creeping in at some point where, like, okay, we just got blown out. We mm-hmm. can't beat the Raiders close. Like, we can't put a game-winning drive together. We finally did it. Now let's go do it again.
4: And it, it now that like, that Raiders game... Uh, we're going to be sitting here in December looking back on that one and going, man, that was a real missed opportunity. Uh, I was looking at the uh, the state of the AFC and some of the teams in terms of their point differential – like we've got five hundred teams in the AFC that are negative in point differential, which is just interesting to me because look, like M- Miami, I know their point differential is going to be really positive. They blew somebody out by right. fifty. They tilted it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when you're looking at the at the Bengals who are three and three, where if you ask some, uh, yeah, who's better, Bengals, Patriots? A lot of people would automatically say Bengals. They're like minus twenty-seven in the point differential, yet they're three and three. So there are some weird things going on. And I think the other thing to remember is a pretty good last place team there, the Bengals, It is, know. right? And that's, yeah. that's the other thing too. Like thing they're dwellers. a last place team and uh, they're a last place team in their division. <laughs> Somehow the Browns, without their starting quarterback, are four and two this year. So by but the overall point of mentioning that is, is that there's a big mid in the AFC. And if the Patriots can win the next three somehow and get the five and five in the bye, you've now joined the mid right. of the AFC with then seven games to go, and uh, it could kind of change some things a little bit. How is? is I'm not a Jalen Ramsey guy. I love the fact that he was great uh, fodder in Jacksonville. Roll up with the Brinks truck great, good job, you'll get the Youngs all that. He was
3: a baller in Jacksonville. He was a baller in
4: Jacksonville, and then they went to L.A., and in particular last year. So what is anybody scared of this guy out there at corner? Uh, Scared
3: in the sense that I think he's going to hit the ground running and be 100% no, but he is uh, the type of – Wiley veteran who i think could you know bait mac jones into something you've seen that you saw jabril peppers do it to josh allen last week he baited him into that first interception i could see ramsey doing something like that and i also i mean it's his first game back Howard's playing, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to have your full strength out there in the secondary. I can see, see him being a factor, especially if they try and pick on him. You, know? you, you mentioned Howard, too. I'm not necessarily staying away from Jalen Ramsey because
5: it is his first game back. So, you know, he's he's getting back into the groove, whatever. But he just makes the rest of the room that much better because now you have Howard and Ramsey instead of Howard and Nick Needham or Cater, Kohu, or whoever else is in that room. Like, it just elevates their entire secondary. So... Um, They have a guy named Cater Kohu. Yeah, something like that. Yeah,
4: Yeah. I was just about to say, like, that is. Did you make that one up? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's
5: like, okay, now it's Jalen Ramsey, so it it elevates the room. It
4: does. It's uh, some guy that they just pull out of a closet and say, what's your name? And they just slap (laughs) it on the back. This is your name this week, kid. Here we go. Uh, Ramsey was a guy who uh, the Rams were willing to move away from. And you look at the Patriots corner situation, and I asked Andy Hart this question, so I ask it to you guys. The last time out against Miami, it was Christian Gonzalez playing a ton. And then the next guys were Miles Bryant Mm. and Sean Wade. This time, you don't have Christian Gonzalez, but you have J.C. Jackson, you have John Jones, and Jack Jones. Is it automatic you're better off or better equipped to deal with Miami this time around than last time, even though you lost your number one corner?
3: I'd say no, because uh, also Judon's not playing, and I think that that's an important factor in all this as well. But that was a factor last week, and they were able to overcome it against Buffalo. I didn't. Would think you rather defense...
4: have Sean Wade as the third corner like the first time out? Mm, no, I wouldn't. But that's I would why, rather have. Gonz- i rather why, have Gonzalez. Because right. actually, because in a way, it's kind of like asking, would you rather have Gonzalez, Miles Bryant, and Sean Wade to do this job? Or J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, and Jack Jones to do this job? Because that's more what it's setting up to be today.
3: I mean, Gonzalez had the pick on on the, that hill pass, so I don't know. I'd, I'd lean him. I just th- I feel like he's such a difference maker, and him being out, you've seen uh, that there's been real problems there since he's been out. I do think Jonathan Jones... And that matchup with Hill is one that I'm, you know, a little bit more comfortable with. Jack Jones versus Sean Wade is
4: your third corner, Jack Jones was
3: brutal last week. All those penalties he had, I was not impressed with Jack Jones in his debut. Uh, So I still think I'd go with the Gonzalez-Miles Bryant one. I hate to say it, Uh, but I don't really like either one of them. Jonathan Jones has been their Tyreek Hill eraser. There you go. And he's the
5: one who's matched up on him, given safety help, whatever. But, you know, Tyreek Hill's numbers haven't been great against the Patriots over the last five games, and Mm -hmm. it's been because of Jonathan Jones. Week two, he was out and they had that, they utilized that three-high safety look, and they used Gonzalez, and it worked out well. So, I mean, in theory, you would like it the way it was in Week 2 because it worked, and Hill was fine, and uh, Waddle was fine, but now you have your eraser back in Jonathan Jones. So you mentioned, too, having Jack Jones back, and J.C. Jackson's here, so... I think they can match up well against because it was
4: because it was the third wide receiver that ultimately ended up sort of in that second quarter really burning the Patriots. I I can't remember if it was Berrios or the other craft. That's where it was. Craycraft. Yeah, there you go. Boy, they got the market. corner. Kohu. Yeah. Kohu, (laughs) Craycraft. What in the world? It sounds like a a brewery that like pint club. (laughs) (laughs) Fitzy would be setting up there with a dunk tank or something (laughs) like that to go to uh, to go to one of those deals. And. At the latest check of the weather report, it doesn't seem like it's going to be completely hideous down there. Now, completely hideous down there means that it isn't 85 degrees with 80% humidity. It's only going to be like 83 with a chance of shower and 70% humidity. Uh, I did ask Adrian Phillips this this week, and I'm curious to see where you guys land on this. There were Patriot players this week who were in like full, oh my God, it's cold mode outside. Hooded sweatshirts, things like that. Uh I saw
3: Fourier in a scarf. I, on I Sunday. You know what? We I'll all tell saw you a scarf. The, like,
4: that <laughs> I didn't realize uh where they put him, where they had those guys. Like they're at the top of the stadium yeah, near the mm-hmm. lighthouse. So of course they're gonna freeze our tail <laughs> off. Right. Um but uh you know, weather, big deal, no big deal, it feels like The one o'clock games are the ones that people go nuts about. And I think it was Omar Kelly who told us this week that the sun beating down on the sideline on the first half is really where the the struggle is. I don't know. I feel I don't want to say it's much ado about nothing. I feel like it's just manageable, but by God, does it get below? Come on! If it's not eighty-five percent humidity down there, I don't think it's really that bad. What do we make of it?
3: I don't know. I just, they never win in Miami, so it's right. like it's got to be something. I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know exactly what it is. Or at
4: one point in time, it was Jay Feedler? Yeah, let yeah. that
3: settle in. Jay Feedler, Cleo Lemon beat him one year. Like you know, Cleo they just, you, Lemon. You Did Cleo Lemon come up here and beat him once? I, I, yeah. Well,
4: maybe it was up here. Either no, way, but either way, I think it was. I think he got him there in here. He's. It's just
3: that's the way it's been. And I know, like in the winter, in January, December, whatever, you go down there and it's hot, and that's going to throw. Everybody yeah. off we're not quite there yet and it's also been 80 degrees up here all week so it's like yeah I, it shouldn't be that big of an issue i, I agree yeah I, i'm
5: with you it looks like an 81 degree um game time temp today down there you the way they did it this week you're right is that it was 80 degrees throughout the entire week and they bundled up and they were like let's just get our bodies ready to be to be hot like we're gonna be down there but i like the the, the way you mentioned that arcane too where it's not like they're going down here in december like they normally are it's october Their their bodies aren't you know Completely adapted to the cold weather yet, so I, I think it's kind of much ado about nothing. I think they're gonna be fine.
4: I know what the sideline rules. I don't know if you're allowed to bring like your own kind of covers, meaning over the benches <laughs> on the on the sideline. I don't know if you could bring almost like pop ups to where you can get some shade underneath of there. I don't know <laughs> if that has to be like. A, I don't think it's technically the uh, like the audio equipment right. that you have in the helmets, where if one's down, you can't have the other one. That makes sense, but
3: they have like those misters, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, they have yeah, 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 the, yeah, the misters, like the AC which, type, things, which but. feels like. Like, you're just – it's like pouring soup on soup after a while, right? Like, the misters down there? Yeah. I would think that uh, you'd want just straight-up shade, but we'll see how the Patriots end up uh, managing that. Uh, Reverend Arcan will be aboard next hour for uh, his breakdown. Coach Wiggins will uh, be on the phone. Stiz, we've uh, made contact with uh, Coach Wiggins after a, a big win, and Greg Hill had the uh, save. Coach Wiggy's job party <laughs> in the uh, parking lot at uh, Brockton over the weekend. Uh, we will talk to Christian for you. We will talk to our guy Tom Curran. We got a lot to get through in getting you ready for the Patriots in Miami in what could be a uh, what could be a. Season changing victory, maybe if you go down and get it against Miami. We'll continue to break down this matchup, but here is Stiz ready to trend.
0: Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI
6: trending now. That's right. Today's the big day. The Patriots are in Miami to take on the Dolphins kickoff at 1 p.m. The Pats have downgraded Josh Uche and Vidarian Lowe to out. Those two did not make the trip to Miami with the team. The team also elevated Kama McDermott from the practice squad. Six players remain questionable. Those players include Christian Barmore, Trent Brown, Jonathan Jones, Sean Wade, Keon White, and Dietrich Wise. The Celtics beat the Heat on Friday night, 119-111. to 111. Derek White had an amazing game, 28 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. The Seeds will be in Washington tomorrow night to take on the Wizards at the Capital One Arena, tip-off at 7 p.m. The Bruins beat the Red Wings 4-1 at the TD Garden last night. Pasta had a pair of goals. Charlie McAvoy and Pavel Zaka each had one. The Bruins stay in Boston to host the Panthers tomorrow night. Puck drop at 7 p.m. World Series now tied one game apiece after the Diamondbacks beat the Rangers 9-1 yesterday in Texas. The series heads back to Arizona tomorrow for game three. First pitch at 8 p.m. And the Reds lost to Philadelphia yesterday at Gillette Stadium, 3-1. The two teams will run it back Wednesday night in Philly, game time at 7 p.m. I'm Stids. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More WEI's Football Sunday coming up.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
0: WEEI Football Sunday on WEEI.
4: I guess uh, the Dolphins might be going with some throwbacks today. I'm looking at uh, Cameron Wolf of NFL Network down there, and he's got, like, the uh, throwback Dolphins helmet on. So, I guess, is this one of those weekends in the NFL where just everybody does the throwbacks, or do you get the pick Pats are in uh, silver pants again today as well. Oh, yep. boy.
5: Blue That's are like, silver yellow, pants. yellow
3: Red Sox jerseys, yeah,
5: basically, exactly. right? Same thing. Yep.
4: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They but, won in them last week, so do it again. Right? Yeah, I don't, uh, I, don't I, I always, I never really follow along. On all that stuff until my kids were like, "Oh, look at the look at this, or look at that, or whatever." Know, I'm just yeah. like, ah, whatever. Great, they're in a different uniform today. Big deal, you know. I didn't really think about it very much, but in watching the, uh, it's funny the the UCLA Colorado game last night. UCLA went back to like the 1930s mm, yeah. in the uniforms they wore. Or I thought those looked good. They did look pretty yeah. good. I thought the uh, the Army uniforms against UMass, where I didn't realize they put the name of the player like right on the front right shoulder yeah, versus like on the badge, back. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, those looked awesome uh, yesterday. But those, uh, those old-school Dolphin uniforms, I mean, depending on your age, I think depends on the level of pent-up horror <laughs> you have in yeah. your mind, right? Because – In the eighties, it felt like it was a lost cause. That's why whenever the the Patriots won the Super Bowl in the eighties, beating Miami along the way was such a big deal. And then Arcand, as you mentioned, there's the, you know, the the late nineties and the early two thousands. I mean, Fore and I have been doing that whole walk back in two thousand three and going to Miami, it was they'd lost, you know, X amount of games in a row. And you look at it and it's freaking Jay Fiedler (laughs) for God's sakes. Like There's one of the weirder statistical anomalies in football. At one point in time, there was the whole following Tom Brady on his first 50 starts in terms of the win percentage. The guy he was chasing at the time, I do believe, was Jay Fiedler, (laughs) who, like, in his first 50 games had, like, one of the best winning percentages in NFL history. That's wild. I couldn't believe it of all guys in all the world. And now Brady's laid waste to that and all that stuff. So what is it in Miami what is it? I don't know. We're all different age groups in terms of watching this team, seeing them react in Miami. What is it about going down there? Does anybody as like like as a Patriot fan, when you think of, all right, you're going to Miami, what is it is the first thing that comes to mind that feels like is the biggest problem in going down
5: there? I think it's the mindset, now that you say it that way, because you talk about generation to generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks about, oh, they can't win in Miami. You don't win in Miami. You were not good in Miami. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, now we're in Miami. We we can't win in Miami. Nobody won in Miami. We've never won in Miami. Yeah, <laughs> so we just don't win in Miami. So maybe it's that. Maybe that kind of stuff just creeps in, and they do go down, and the weather changes and you know things like that. And... I think there is something to be said about the way you mentioned it, Gresh. The stadium is set up, and the sun beats on you for the first half of the game, and there is no – like, you know, that's going to take a toll on you. By the end of the game, you're exhausted. So, um, it might be generational. It might be the heat, but it it is – it's something
3: about that stadium. I feel like they've also always had a pretty good passing offense. You know, I feel like the 2000s and the early Brady days, they always had, like, Mm -hmm. Chambers and Brian Hartline and all these guys, and, I you know, Marty Booker, like, guys like that. They weren't great. But they were always competent. It was always like a competent passing offense. There was always guys who were playmakers. They always put pressure on the secondary. They always sort of had you on your heels. And maybe that played in with the weather, you know, it's hot so it's harder to keep up with these guys running. But I, I did always sort of think that. And they had, you know, they had good offenses in general. They had good running backs for over the years too, the Reggie Bush years and, you know, some of those other ones. Um uh they had, uh, you know, Ronnie Brown and some of those All guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah so. and that was
4: where it flipped, and they rolled out the Wildcat here in Gillette. And then it was oh, yeah, like Ronnie right. Brown with that five here, touchdowns. Yeah. I remember, uh, I mean, I was on Patriots Radio Network, and then it was, oh, my God, what's this Wildcat thing? And it <laughs> it, it was like the, the push or the uh, tush push, yeah. whereas it ran hot for about two years. And then you gave defensive coordinators in the NFL time to figure it out. And on the whole, they slowed that crap right. down. Now I, I think know Ronnie
5: Brown threw a couple touchdowns.
4: He threw game, one. He? Yeah. I think he threw one, ran for four, if I remember, yeah. in that five touchdown game. Tony Sperano was the coach. Yeah, yeah. God, God right? rest, yeah. Tony Sperano. Yeah, former uh, former BU assistant. And wow. uh, Tony Sperano was the, the head coach at, uh, I do believe, at New Haven because. My former teammate, Darren Rizzi, who's now the special teams coordinator in New Orleans, he was the head coach in New Haven. Him and Sperano. Sperano brought him into the NFL. In fact, ruined what would have been Rizzi's glorious run as the head coach at URI. Mm -hmm. He got the job, and then like two days later, Sperano was like, Want to come be my special <laughs> teams coordinator? And it's like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> so right. waited a year and then bounced and yeah. has been in the uh, in the NFL ever since. All right, let's get to the Cars for Kids storyline. Brought to you by Cars for Kids. If you have a car you can donate today, go to carsforkids.com. Uh, biggest storyline of today's game is what going in? Hmm. Biggest storyline
3: in terms of just these two teams yeah, or the whole just, season but or everything No, else? the
4: game. No, in terms of this game... What is, say, first thing you're going to be looking for?
3: I'm going to be looking for the Patriots to try and do something about this uh, two of Tagovailoa problem that they have. Bill Belichick's never beaten him. It would be the first time if they beat him today. I think that that's uh, certainly a big one. And also, can Mac Jones and the offense replicate what they did last week? Uh, those are the two biggest questions for me. That's mine, 100%, is can Mac Jones do it again? Because we saw it last week. He does have a pulse.
5: My sort of takeaway over the course of the first couple of games, the last – that sort of losing streak was, oh, they they irretrievably broke Mac Jones here. And last week he showed that they didn't. But great, all low and good. Can you do it again? Because that's what you did last week isn't going to keep your job in the NFL. So, you gotta go do it again on offense.
4: Bigger question relative to that. Who do you have less faith in? The offensive line or Mac himself?
3: The offensive um, line.
4: If I don't know, if on
3: when you's a right tackle again. That was, you know, that was that to me. That's a pretty good front there in Buffalo. They led the league in sacks, and they were able to really keep them, uh, keep them out of Mac's kitchen for most of it. I have, I'll say this: it's a codependent relationship. I mean, that's that's for sure. Most are yeah. Mac's so success
5: is it runs on the offensive
3: line. Yeah. Uh, so who do I have less faith in? I guess, I guess it's Mac, but. No, I guess it's the offensive yeah. line then. If it, by that by that stand, I'm trying to sort of think this through. But I guess yeah, it's the uh, it's the offensive line because they've let him down before.
4: It is tough to kind of rationalize because that was Mac doing something that we hadn't seen a semblance of since 2021 when things here were so very different, not only up front, but with a different offensive coordinator. Because I do think there were those where it was the question of Does Mac Jones have that in him? Does Mac Jones have the ability to lead a drive down the field and stay calm in the pocket? And I thought in the first half, quite honestly, against Buffalo, I thought Mac was, uh, and some said scared Mac. I wouldn't call it that. It was fast Mac. Oh, my God, I'm so traumatized because I've had Vidarian Lowe leaking out the ass (laughs) at right tackle that I know I got to get the ball out quick and I thought there were times, uh, and Cadillac, you can maybe speak a little more to this on the whole. Mac, I thought, had to slow himself down in the third yeah. and fourth quarter. He got so used to no, I got to read it, see it, and get it out quick, that there were a couple of times where he sped himself up, and I know it was 25 or 30, but I thought one or two of those incompletions were uh, getting it out too quick, and then he kind of settled in and trusted the protection around
5: him. Yeah, you're right. It took, him a, it took him a little while to get you know get in a groove there, but he also, like you said, getting the ball out quick is sort of how he likes to operate. He's talked about it ever since he's been here. He kind of understands what type of quarterback he is. He's got to play smart, pre-snap understand get us in the best position to succeed on this given play and get the ball out to my playmakers and he did that last week He'd Talk. talking I think he had the first or second most time like time to throw snap go bang throw right. it out in the NFL last week and so get the ball to his playmakers is how he likes to operate he did that early they had to sort of drop back pass and get into it later in the game to you know mount that comeback if you will but um, no, I think he he did. He got into a groove and looked more comfortable down Yeah. So,
4: uh, Arkan, what do you make of the way the Patriots used Devontae Parker last week? He actually played more snaps than I thought. He was a uh, around fi- he was in between fifty and sixty percent. But boy, it sure as hell didn't seem like he was featured, and I was shocked at the end of the game to see that he played as many plays as he did. Yeah, I barely
3: I barely heard his name, and that's because he wasn't someone that they were targeting, and you could tell. As Mike just sort of said, like the game plan was to get it out quick. The game plan was, all right, here we go, we're gonna get it to your playmakers. We're not gonna go through a ton of progressions. You're gonna see you know, you're gonna see it, you're gonna throw it and that's gonna be what we're doing. And I thought it was a good game plan from O'Brien but Parker's role was blocking, basically. I mean, that's yeah. what he was out there doing. He was out there blocking for Stevenson. He was blocking for Douglas, uh, and he did a good job at it. He's a big body, and that's fine. But, I mean, this is a guy that you signed and then extended, and now he's basically Nikhil Harry out there blocking, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a bummer, you know? Like, no,
4: he had that one catch in the fourth quarter, and that was the first time where you're like, oh, wait a minute, there's Parker. Right. And then you look and you're be like, "What? Well, he played 55% of the snaps.
5: The crazier snap count to me was Taquan Thornton playing three. Played three snaps last week, and it's like, okay, I understand he's coming back from injury and he's trying to get in a groove, but he's your fastest player on offense. Why wouldn't you have him out here at least as a decoy and try and you know take guys off and run guys off, so then you can get the ball underneath to you know Kendrick Bourne and Pop Douglas, whatever? He played three snaps. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is for him, but he was also playing special teams this week in practice. I noticed that. Never played a special teams down in his life, so. I don't know what their plan is for Tyquan Thornton, but that's the one that stood out to me. Well,
4: and you you mentioned Thornton here, so let's kind of unpack that a little bit. Is that because of the, you know, like I hear, I get the essence of, well, you put him out there, it's a speed guy. Mm -hmm. But the Patriots can't block anybody and they don't really press it down the field. So is there any benefit to having him out there if you're not really going to have him running parts of the offense because I don't think people respect him anyway and do people respect the Patriots offensive line enough to be like they're going to throw the ball 40 yards down the field let them block it up before I start right. to buy that
3: yeah and with Thornton I mean that one good game he had last year against the Bengals I want to say like there was a jet sweep I think he scored that on was the and the was I think was it yeah, the Browns yeah, maybe I yeah it was, one, it was one, those of those Ohio one of those Ohio teams, teams yeah. with the orange in their Not helmets true <laughs> yeah. they're both the same <laughs> whoever it was uh, he was used sort of differently in that game they right. did sort of go to him but he also also had a, you know, like a jet sweep or sort of a running play, and he's a guy...
5: I think it was a touchdown around the goal line. He had a pass, he had a receiving and
3: a rushing
4: touchdown. It was like one of Matt Patricia's best plays last year.
3: Yeah, it was, and you heard Matt last week actually talking about putting guys in motion and how you see other, you know, high school teams and college teams all doing that, and he was really happy to see O'Brien doing that. Thornton seems like the kind of guy you could do that with, right? You get him going, you get the speed going in the backfield, and then all of a sudden you don't have to have him go 40 yards down the field. He's already at full speed and he's in the flat, you know? Like, that's That seems like something that could maybe work if you wanted to try it, but he wasn't on the field.
4: And there's the emergence of Pop Douglas, who uh, had a very nice game for himself. It seems like with Pop Douglas, there is a little bit of understanding the nuance of route running in the NFL, running through the trash, as they would say, Mm -hmm. in terms of the middle of the field. Um, It's very easy to tell he is quick twitch, but I wonder if at least moving forward – the two wide receivers that might have the best chance to shine are going to be pop Douglas and Kendrick Bourne. And in the last three weeks here, the volume of uh, touches for Kendrick Bourne and targets for Kendrick Bourne have gone up. Mm -hmm. So is Bourne now kind of a, the, how should I say the de facto number one wide receiver? I think so. I think he's the guy that Mac
5: trusts the most in the room as well. I think he, and Mac said it even earlier this offseason. Kendrick Bourne's his go-to guy on offense and, you you could argue that that's Hunter Henry as well, but no, I think he's he's sort of built himself into that role. You mentioned the target share. I think he had ten targets for nine or eight catches um, against the Raiders, and then last week he had like six or sixty five. And I mean they're not great numbers, but he's your number one wide receiver. He's the guy that he gets the most yards after catch, and you 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 can rely on him to catch the ball and sort of make something happen. He did have the fumble last week. You're right, and that sort of brought his game down as a whole, but. Yeah, it does. It looks like it's Kendrick Bourne. It looks like it's Pop Douglas and those are the two guys Mac trusts. So, and you mentioned Pop going through like um going through uh defense and trying to you know, find a way on a route, whatever he has made mistakes. He is a rookie, but I like that they're now letting him work through it yeah instead of in week in week two against Miami, they bench him and they don't you don't see him for three weeks then he gets a concussion like no, this guy with Kendrick Bourne is one of your better playmakers. You need to get him in the ball. you need to find ways to get him in the football
4: uh let's jump over to the other end on the Patriots defense. I know we talked about the corners and their ability to match up against that high end talent on the outside for the uh for the Dolphins. I think one of the, I, I look two guys to me that are massive in this game, or and who were massive last week are Christian Barmore and Devon Godshaw. And I know that those guys are dinged up a little bit on the injury report, uh, but they controlled the middle last week. I thought they need to do that again because Arkan. The sneaky thing that people forget about in uh, in the first matchup is that Raheem Mostert gashed the Patriots. Yes, and they ran for about 140 yards and. I know it is got to stop those guys on the outside, and you could argue that's number one, but he can't abandon stopping the run to be able to do that. And in game one, it felt like there were times where well, we didn't give it up the hill, but Mostert ripped us for a 40-yarder and a score.
3: Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a real issue, and that's a real reason why this team is so hard to defend against. And I think that, uh, you know, A-Chan's not playing. He's uh, he's out, and he's explosive, too. But Mostert, I mean, what, it's year nine for him, and he's yeah. still out there doing this? Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's an impressive running back, for sure. And he's one who I thought I thought after that 49er Super Bowl, that was probably all we were going to see. Raheem Mostert really, like, as a serious number one back out there getting these kind of carries and putting up these. Dec- kind of numbers and he's really been impressive this year and uh is is very good behind that line. He's patient, he sees where holes are, and he's still really explosive and can get to the end zone. He's so a, yeah he's a
5: product of that sort of, you know, Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel type running offense where mm. you get a guy with speed and you hand him the football and he's gonna go and get you know, ninety, hundred yards and a touchdown basically every single week. And it, it doesn't really matter who's back there. And not that, not to take anything away from Mostert, but it's really that scheme that McDaniel had in San Francisco, like you said in those you know, those Super Bowl run years. He brings it to Miami, and they whether it's H hand, whether it's uh, Raheem Mostert, they go in there and shine. So he's definitely something you got to watch out for too.
4: Uh, and uh, I know that the Dolphins will uh, not be shy in terms of uh, bringing pressure against New England. Um, it's funny I'm watching the uh, some of the stuff from last year on the. The sack that uh, Miami had that turned into a, a scoop and score for a touchdown. Uh, Javon Holland has been uh, ruled out with a, a concussion. Uh, apparently, River Craycraft has also been downgraded the to whole. out against New England as well. Pats by 10. Well, but here's the <laughs> yeah. thing. If, if Still got, sounds like a type of boat. But if you've got... It does. It totally <laughs> does. Buy the buy the Craycraft today. Yeah, uh, Mega will be at the showroom from 2 to 4 today. Arcans at a bar. The new
3: 2024
4: River Craycraft. River Craycraft, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> ah, God. But uh, without guys like Craycraft, no tight end to really speak of. I know Mostert's been dinged up, but it, it's Mostert, it's Hill, it's Waddle. Who is then next on the weapon list for Miami.
5: Braxton Barrios, baby. Former Patriot. No, that- I, but I don't think that really. I mean, you say it like that, though. It's like, oh, it's only Hill and Waddle. Like, no, it's freaking Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. <laughs> like, those guys can go out there and get you 100 yards a piece and a touchdown and, you know, score. 50 points. All right, well, let me ask and if you this shut then, them down, they got
3: Chase Claypool coming up. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and that's the thing, but if yeah. you got, so how will we know how compromised Tyreek Hill really is? Fourier is convinced, and he he did some video work on it, of the, you can tell when Hill is a decoy, you can tell when he's blocking, and you can tell when he's going into route, and that there are big tells there. So I don't know if, if it's the tells that will tell us anything, or more of the, like, I think straight line, the guy will still have his burst. Right. My question is, what will he be able to do in terms of missing people, juking people in the middle of the field? And is this guy just, oh, sorry, landed on your hip. Didn't mean to when I brought you down. Right. Didn't mean to drive my shoulder into it or drive my helmet into it or something like that. I wonder if, if Tyreek Hill does have an issue out there if it will be evident for all of us to be able to see because normally hips and fast guys go together well right. or not well in terms of your play.
3: Yeah, and he did have that one practice this week where he was, I think he was held out, right? And then he was back yeah. and he yep. said he was good and he was a full participant in the other two. He wanted two.
4: attention, he said.
3: Yeah. yeah, and against Philly, I mean, he took a lot of uh, series off in that in that Philly game and you saw him on the sideline and he did leave the game and he came back out yep. and it was sort of, just seems like it's a nagging thing. And even if it is a nagging problem, If he can go out there, he's a really effective decoy. I mean, he's the best decoy in the
4: league. The motion. That's really what it is. It's the window dressing with him.
3: Yeah, but you're right, too. You mentioned that
5: you know talking about the film work for you, do whatever, and you look at... Once you find out, oh, he is only a decoy and he isn't 100%, then you can sort of... I mean, you still have to respect him. You still have to cover him downfield. But you don't have to maybe have Jonathan Jones on him with safety help. You don't have to have all your focus on him. You can then... Make sure you have him figured out, but then move your focus over to Waddle. And then, like you said, after those two, you're talking about the 2024 River Craycraft and Clay-
4: Chase Claypool. <laughs> yeah, so. and that's why John Jones is, I think, important today. Because that's horseback. a guy that you know you can match up against <laughs> right. a uh, against a dude like, uh, uh, like either Waddle or or of uh, Tyreek Hill. So there's your Cars for Kids storyline. Uh, we will have inactives coming up at 1130. Uh, we at least know one member of the Patriots that's out and two members of the Dolphins that are out. We will uh, get to all that. We got Tom E. Kern coming up with us at uh, 11 o'clock. But up next, Coach Wiggins hops on the line to give us his three keys here on WEI Football Sunday.
7: After the end of a good fight,
0: This is W E E I Football Sunday on W E E I. Lucifer, son of the morning, I'm gonna chase you out of here.
7: Lucifer, Lucifer, son of the morning.
4: Well, Bill Belichick is uh, looking to do what the Brockton Boxers did, running the record to uh, three and five, and it is time for our friend Coach Wiggy's keys to the game.
8: Wiggy, congrats on the win. Nice win, Wiggy. How about that? Thank you very much. You know, execution is the key. That's the key to football. What was better executed,
4: uh, Wiggs? Your win or Greg Hill uh, just uh, littering the parking lot with people and bar pizza in your honor?
8: I would have to say it was Greg Hill. His execution is always spot on. I mean, he brought the people out and was great.
4: Did you uh, bring some of that bar pizza home, or were you in coach mode and had no time to mess with any of that?
8: I was in coach mode, and afterwards, myself and a bunch of the coaches, we were looking for something. But that, uh, that food, whether it was the Cape Cod pizza or the Wahlburgers, they ran through that thing. So I'm glad everybody got to enjoy it. There so, you go. To enjoy it next time.
4: I dig it. All right, Coach Wiggy, uh, key one to the Patriots-Miami game. What stands out for you, Coach. Well,
8: the number one thing first off and foremost is you gotta be able to limit Tyree Kill's explosive plays. They generally do a good job uh playing against him, so continue to do that. Limit that and then you'll be in great position to put yourself um to be able to win that football game. All right, number number, number two. Number two you got to be, and Gresham, I know you're going to love this one, and you're spot on. you got to be able to run the football, establish the run early in the football game, make things easy for that offense. That old line, got to be able to establish the run, win the line of scrimmage, and run the football. And then number three, Wiggs, what do you have? And no, Number three, Mac Jones in that passing game has to be efficient like they were last week against Buffalo. you got to be able to make those timely throws when you need it, but you got to be smart with the football. Be efficient in the passing game. You don't necessarily – this is a team that doesn't have to – you know, you'd like to have the explosive plays, but if you don't, that's not really the way they're built. It's got to be built by efficiency and making sure that you're moving the sticks and not turning the football over when you are throwing it. All
4: right, one other quick question for you aside from the keys, Coach Wiggins, is the heat down there in Miami and the way they built that stadium where the visiting sideline just gets beat down with the sun in the first half, how big a deal is it in terms of managing the conditions down there?
8: You know, it's, it's extremely difficult because people, we've always used to have this conversation, any football player, and you probably talked about it in colleges, when you play in the heat, It's so difficult to get adjusted to when you don't practice in it. You know, if you're coming now, if you're coming from Boston, now luckily they got 75 degrees these past couple of days. But when you're coming from a climate and all of a sudden you land somewhere and you get off the plane and 85 degrees is hitting you square in the face, and you've been used to 50, 60 degrees. It's so difficult. I always tell people all the time I'd much rather play in the cold weather than the heat because at least in the cold weather I can layer up. And the heat you just you get to a point where you can't you can never get cool. So it's very difficult to um, get used to that, especially when you're not playing in it all the time. So I always find the heat hotter to play in than the cold weather and stay hydrated, you get the cotton mouth, all that stuff.
3: Wiggy, you mentioned Tyreek Hill limiting his explosive plays. When you got a, you know, team that you're facing with another kid on the other team who demands extra attention, how do you how do you sort of go about that without leaving other guys open?
8: Well, you know, they they do a good job of trying to disguise when they're going to double him or maybe try to give him looks where it looks like a double and that will deter Tua from going over there. They've done a good job in the most part with Tyreek Hill, but he's so explosive. I mean, he can beat you going down the field on goal routes. He can beat you with catching a hitch and taking it 75 yards. So you got to make sure you're hitting him at the line of scrimmage. You got to make sure you're making things very difficult. But the, the unfortunate thing is when you double him, then that means other guys have one-on-one opportunity. So if you've got a guy like Jalen Waddell who's a tremendous player, he now gets to see one-on-one. So whoever's covering him has got to make sure they do a good job against him because he could also beat him.
4: All right, Coach. Thank you, friend. We appreciate it. Uh, Wiggy will be a part of the Greg Hill Morning Show tomorrow morning interviewing Coach Belichick after what uh, we'll hopefully – No problem, guys. All right, Wiggs. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it. There goes Jermaine Wiggins hopping in because, well, he forgot to record his piece (laughs) is really what it is. So, Wiggy, that is Wiggy's punishment. He's got to, uh, like, uh, speak coherently for five (laughs) minutes on uh, live radio. And uh, the one thing I will say is we didn't talk about the Patriots either want – need or ability to run the ball, Wiggy thinks that's one of the keys. Yeah, I mean, they they haven't really established a
5: great run game all season Agreed. long. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, and
4: that's one thing I thought they would be able to do yeah, is
5: me, run the ball. Me too. You know, run downhill, two backs who can sort of take on a little bit of a load, and they haven't really done that at all, I think. Um, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a key to the game to try and be able to win any football game is to establish a run game, but they haven't had a 100-yard rusher this season they haven't really again had to, been able to like rely on that for a full game and so that i mean that can help but i think too last week they won a football game and they didn't really establish a run yeah they had some like critical third and fourth thir- or second and uh, second and short runs when they needed one but it wasn't something you could really rely on so it would be nice to see that yeah, stevenson had down. like
3: 35 yards like yeah, it wasn't exactly. yeah it wasn't some big thing and the worst they ran the ball i thought all year was in that first miami game they didn't right. get 100 yards between right. the two of them so it's like you know i i was exp- and the offensive line's different and cole strange is back and on on the right so i mean maybe this will this will be a little bit different today but it's uh, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see him finally establish it. But I'm not holding my breath.
4: All right. We are one hour into W.E.I. Football Sunday. Uh, we've got Tom Curran next hour. He will uh, kick off the hour. Then Reverend Arcand is in for his preview. We'll have the catch law injury report. We'll be able to uh, react to the inactives. Patriots are in Miami. The game starts at one. We're getting you game ready with Tom Curran next on W.E.I. Football Sunday.